This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alex Tai. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Wednesday the 8th of November. In your Squiz today, rates are on the rise again. Albanese gets some island time. Donald Trump has a day in court. And WeWork hits a new low. This is your Squiz today. When it comes to the world of finance, Claire, what goes up just keeps going up. The Reserve Bank Board raised the official cash rate target by 0.25% yesterday, taking the overall number to 4.35%. That is the highest it's been in 12 years. And look, we probably don't need to remind mortgage holders, it's the 13th rate rise since May 2022. And Of course, that was when rates were at the historic low of 0.1%. It's been a long time since then. (laughs) Uh, It has been five months, though, since the last rate rise. That was in June. So it might just be worth revisiting exactly why interest rates are critical to managing inflation, and that really is the Reserve Bank's job. They're raising rates to try and get inflation down to the target rate of 2 to 3%. We're currently way above that. Inflation is at 5 It's not just a problem here in Australia. High inflation is something that a lot of countries around the world are seeing. Uh, Economists around the world say that COVID really mucked up supply chains and spending patterns. There's also a lot of blame on Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which cut off all supplies and it raised the price of energy. Claire, I've done a bit of driving over the last couple of weeks, so I can confirm that petrol prices are high. Mm. And other fast-growing prices include the cost of renting and buying houses here in Australia. Now, the idea behind the Reserve Bank's rate rises is to discourage Australians from spending and therefore to try and slow down some of those rapid price increases. Yeah, that's the idea that we're all going to have a bit of a crunch on our spending and that means that things will slow down. And on that point, what Treasurer Jim Chalmers said yesterday is that he understands that yesterday's rates decision will make life harder for people who are already doing it tough. But as for what comes next, it might not be the last rate rise we see this year. There are some economists who are already flagging that December might see another one. It's too early to tell, though. The Reserve Bank says that it's watching for more data, which will include the latest inflation data, also things like consumer spending as we head into Christmas. All of that goes into the decisions that it will make about how to best manage inflation. As for the long-term management of inflation, the RBA Governor Michelle Bullock put out a statement yesterday saying that she expects inflation to stay above the target range at least until the end of next year. And it's only going to come back into that 2 to 3% range by the end of 2025. Yeah, it's a long way to go. Anthony Albanese has wrapped up his trip to China, but not before being called a handsome boy by China's Premier. 
And now he is off to the Cook Islands for the Pacific Islands Forum. Alex, I'm really not sure that many of his Pacific Island colleagues will be throwing around the compliments <laughs> towards our Prime Minister quite like that. Um, a big focus of the meeting this year is climate change and there are growing calls from the region for Australia to phase out fossil fuels and also to cough up some really serious cash for mm. climate funds for Pacific Island nations to manage the risk. Uh, what groups like the respected Pacific elders say is that if we want to host the COP31 climate talks, those big United Nations climate summits, uh, we're putting in a bid for 2026. If we want their support, we're going to have to act on some of these things. Um, the other big issue will be managing the rise of China. Um, Squizzes will remember that China has established security alliances with the Solomon Islands. Also, China is funding development projects in many countries in our regions. So that continues to be a tricky one as well. As for who is at the forum this year, Manasse Sogavare, the leader of the Solomon Islands, isn't actually attending and neither are the leaders of New Zealand, Vanuatu and Papua New Guinea. And when it comes for how the forum is being conducted, Claire, a lot of the diplomacy is actually going to be happening on a boat gently motoring around a lagoon. That arrangement is to ensure that the leaders get plenty of alone time with each other. <laughs> As someone who doesn't like the idea of getting stuck on a boat, that just sends a shiver down my spine. <laughs> Donald Trump is back in the news, and that's because he testified in the fraud case against him in New York. Now, just to locate this case against Trump amongst his other legal cases, this is the one where the central allegation is that Trump and his organisation lied about his property values in order to defraud banks. Yeah, and the notable thing about this case is that the judge has already decided that Trump and his associates, including his family members, are liable for fraud. Um, that was a surprise decision that was made at the start of the case about three or four weeks ago. Um, but the court still has to decide on what punishment they might receive. And that's why Trump was in court yesterday to testify in the case. There was a pretty fiery exchange with the judge. Trump has defended the valuations and said that his personal brand added value to the properties. He also pointed the finger at the accountants at the business for the financial reports. Uh, what it all means is that the trial is now nearing its conclusion. There's still Ivanka Trump, his daughter, who is still to go this week, so there'll be a lot of eyes on that. Um, the other story that's getting bigger, though, is the coming presidential election. Mm. Trump is expected to be the Republican nominee. There's still a bit of a way to go in that too. But when it comes to the new polling that puts him against the President Joe Biden, Trump is ahead in the key battleground states. Yes, that polling from the New York Times shows Trump ahead in five of the six swing states that are expected to decide the election. It also shows, Claire, that Trump and Biden are viewed unfavorably by voters, which suggests a pretty rocky road ahead for the next 12 months. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. Superannuation can sometimes feel like just another overwhelming life admin chore. But as a member of Aware Super, you'll have access to lots of free online tools to help you, like their My Retirement Planner, which allows you to see how much you might need for retirement and comes with an easy to understand plan of how to get there. Read the PDFs and TMD at aware.com.au. 
The co-working giant WeWork filed for bankruptcy in the US yesterday, starting another chapter in one of the wildest business stories of recent years. Yeah, I've been so interested in this story for such a long Mm. time, but I've only started watching We Crashed, which is the Apple series about it. So (laughs) I'm quite enjoying all of this at the moment. Um, WeWork, though, is still operating globally, and this bankruptcy process is a bit more of a strategic move. It allows the company to negotiate negotiate new leases with landlords, and it also gives them some legal protections against its creditors. Um, Those creditors, by the way, are owed something between 10 and 50 billion US dollars. Hmm. Uh, So it's quite a bit in the red. And according to WeWork itself, it really does need to make some efforts to try and renegotiate its leases. It's a really interesting story. WeWork, of course, was such a company that was this incredible rise in the late 2010s. Mm. There was a failed public float in 2019, um, the exit of its very charismatic founder, Adam Newman, and then came the pandemic when no one was really going into offices. Yeah, they really just didn't recover after the pandemic. But this year, reports say that WeWork lost 99% of its value. Market analysts say that its survival hinges on its ability to renegotiate its expensive office building leases through this bankruptcy process. Despite there being only two Aussie-bred horses in the Melbourne Cup yesterday, Claire, it was an Aussie-trained horse that took out the race. Without a fight came up tops, making him the first since 2001 to win the Caulfield and Melbourne Cups in the same year. Yeah, that is really hard to do, to win those two Cups. So his team and his connections have just had a great couple of weeks. Um, As for the winning jockey, his name is Mark Zara. He's 41 years old, so let's be kind and call him a very experienced jockey. He became the first rider since Glenn Boss on Maccabi Diva to win two Melbourne Cups in a row. Yes, Zara was on last year's winner, Gold Trip, who raced again this year, coming in 17th. So he actually switched to without a fight on the advice of a friend, which I think it's safe to say turned out to be pretty good advice. Yeah, a nice payday for him too. (laughs) So well done. Squiz the day, Claire. What is coming up today? Uh, Today is the anniversaries of the elections of John F. Kennedy. That was in 1960. Uh, George H.W. Bush. That was in 1988. And Donald Trump in 2016. And I only call that out for the weird reason that when you have planned elections, it's a lot easier for these anniversaries to come (laughs) together on the one day. November 8th. There you go. That's it for us today. We'll be back again tomorrow. G'day, I'm Kate Watson, co-host of News Club. News Club this week was an interview with Lauren Sams. She's the fashion editor at the Australian Financial Review. She's all over the business of fashion and retail, so I pulled her in to talk to us about fast fashion and ultra-fast fashion. In particular, businesses like Timu and Shein, who in Australia alone are on track to record more than $2 billion in sales. Here's a clip from that conversation. What is happening is that it's recalibrating fashion as a single-use item. Mm. So when you think about something that's 6 or $7, you know, my, I bought coffee this morning and that was $5.50 and that that's a single-use item to me. You know, I, I have my coffee. Like actually is, like you cannot use that twice. No. <laughs> and so when you're talking about a dress yeah. that's sort of an equivalent price – 
people equate it with something that doesn't need to be valued. Um, You don't need to wear it again. To listen to the full interview, just search for News Club in your podcast app and hit follow.